But you think about the new year, often we're thinking about uh, some things that we might want to start doing, or on the other side, there might be some things we want to... Oh, this is going to be a long message if, you, if you're already... You want to start some things and you want to start with the letter S... Stop some things, right? We, we want to have maybe some mulligans or some do-overs or some things that we think, hey, you know, I ought to be able to maybe uh, think about some of my uh, good habits and com- in contrast to my bad habits and eliminate some of the bad habits and start adding to the new habits. And as we think about a year like this, uh, we really want to begin with enthusiasm, even though uh, in many ways we're getting all kinds of voices throughout our our nation and our world to uh, shut down, and I think all of us need to be wise about what things we ought to do to to ensure we're making wise decisions about our health, and so I, I don't want to criticize that at all, but there are some things we should not shut down about, and, and we're not only talking about physical health, but even more so spiritual health. Uh, because the Bible talks about that bodily discipline profits a little bit. I mean, it's good to, to do healthy things, you know, maybe get in on a, a little bit of a activity exercise program, maybe uh, monitor some things that you're intaking in terms of food. Um, over the last year, uh, last few months, I've had some people speaking into my life saying, uh, you need to acquire a taste for fish. Uh, that maybe you're, you have a little bit too much red meat in your diet, and so there's some things I've got to consider that. Uh, and so as we think about life, life is filled with decisions uh, and decisions about whether you make good decisions or the opposite is bad decisions. I want you to help me out just a little bit. And so we're going to be talking about today is about some making some good decisions, particularly on the, in the spiritual level. And just like every other habit, uh, it takes some energy to be able to do so. You just, you, good intentions are a nice way to start, uh, but then you got to put action to your intentions, or they'll just be things that maybe you've written down as goals or priorities or, or dreams for a new year, but you never get to them. And so this morning, I want to talk about some things where God wants us to live it. And if you're looking at 2021, you want to somehow tie that together today. It's all about living it, and particularly as we begin a new year. And as we think about that, uh, there's no better way to do that than take what God's word says plainly and say, well, how can I put that into practice? It's one thing to look at steps, but how can I remind myself to make sure that I'm doing those steps? And when I begin to kind of fall away from New Year's resolutions, and isn't that the habit of most of us? We start off maybe fairly well as the year begins, and then a few weeks or months down the road, we don't quite fall through on some of the things that we had hoped to put as a priority in our lives. And so this morning, really the whole message is all about taking God's Word and putting it into practice, and particularly one particular verse. And in your outline this, uh, this morning, I, I put the verse, it's our memory verse for the month, therefore prepare your minds for action. This is an open book test, all right? So you can actually look at the, has everybody got the notes? Okay, if you don't have the notes, go get it. If you don't have a communion um, cup, be sure to get one as well. Uh, but as we think about it, God wants us to be people that are prepared for something, and we ought to prepare our minds for action. And then he goes on and says, keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a lot of religious language. You're thinking, that's a verse I'm not going to put to mind. I'd rather just concentrate on Jesus' wept. But we're going to focus on that a little bit. And we're going to break this passage down, and we're going to have four points, and the four points are all related to that verse. Now, I have some other ways to kind of somewhat amplify that or explain it. But I really want to urge you to, to make this a goal to live it. And to live it, uh, here are some practical steps, and I'll begin with the letter M. You, you, you want to begin with memorizing it. 
Because if you, you never forget what you fully memorize. Uh, most of you know your telephone number, right? Or, or you just look it up on your phone, or you know some people's telephone number. You know your, your, your personal address. Some of you have uh, committed to memory, maybe your social security number in case someone asks you at a, at a time, you need to have it right there. And there, there's some certain things that you remember. I remember all the names of my kids. I just don't get into the right order. You know, I'm at that age now when I call them out. I call all four of them, hopefully that one of them is the right one I'm trying to get to come to me. But as you think about it, there's certain things that if we want to hold on to, we commit it to memory, and we put it into deep memory, long-term memory, not short-term memory. And so I want to urge you to make this a new year in which you're hiding God's word in your heart, and it begins by hiding God's word in your mind. So you want to memorize it. And then secondly, you want to meditate on it. Now, meditating is not getting on the, in the lotus position and, and making a sound, you know, and, and just whatever might be. It, but it, 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 meditating is simply thinking deeply about what, you're, what you've put in your mind or your heart. And when you think deeply about it, you personalize it. Well, how, how does that impact me? What does it mean? What are, what are the steps to actually put it into practice, and how can I visualize myself actually doing this? And so I urge you, as you think about getting in God's Word at various levels, is that you want to put certain passages of scriptures to actually, um, in your heart and mind, where you've memorized it. And then secondly, you want to meditate on it. And then thirdly, you want to make it a lifestyle. This is not something I do for maybe, you know, this day or this month and then move on to whatever else I'm going to move on to. Is This is a lifestyle I want to live out as I follow Jesus. The followers of Jesus were called followers. That's what disciple means. It means to be a learner and a follower. And a follower was a person who took the words of Jesus and said, how does that apply to my life? How should I live that out in a way that shows that he's my rabbi, he's my teacher, and Further on, he's my Lord and he's my Savior. Got it? And, and so that, that's, uh, that's what we want to do today, very simple. And uh, what, what, I, what I thought I'd do, however, one of the things, one of the challenges to memory work today is that everyone has a different translation or version of the Bible. And I just want to let you know there are a lot of ways that this verse has been translated. In fact, I just thought I would share with you a number of them, but then we're going to focus on one particular one today. Uh, I, I've told you in the past that I, that I actually have some resources in my library in book forms. Remember when you had to look up things in books? You know, you didn't have to go to Google or other things. So a number of years ago, I had one of, my, one of the volumes in my library is uh, the Bible in 26 translations. And that was before that has not been doubled and tripled since then. And so what they do is they take the verse and they, they look at how people translate somewhat differently. But before I read that, I want to just read you some popular and good, some good translations about First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 13. In the English Standard Version, it says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The message, which is a paraphrase of the passage, says this. So roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. In the Amplified Version, at least one person in our, in our, our uh, church family loves this translation. So prepare your minds for action, being completely sober, in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
then you have uh, some old versions, uh, King James, which is, has, has a great trans, is a great translation. However, it uses some language that we don't use anymore. Uh, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Have you ever read some passages, gird up the loins? When's the last time any of you girded up your loins, you know? Uh, well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But that's what it literally is translated. Gird up the loins of your mind so something is, is not quite staying in place. You know, sometimes when someone does something crazy, we say, you've lost your, you lost your mind. Someone might say, you lost the, your marbles and, you know, you know, whatever it might be. So gird up the loins of your mind. Make sure whatever is somewhat distracting you in the way you ought to be living, the, the choices you're making, how you're thinking. You need, you need to pull that together. And he says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, living by, uh, the New International Version um, uh, translates it this way. Therefore, prepare your minds for, active, for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be brought to you in Jesus Christ. And then that one, trans, that one resource, here's a, a number of translations of this passage. Uh, most of the, the versions you probably haven't heard of, but this is what they say about this passage. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your action, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you. You must therefore be like men stripped for action, perfectly self-controlled, fix your hopes on the grace which is to be yours. That's a, that's a different word picture. You know, you come to church and they're telling you to strip yourself, okay? Men, strip yourself for action. And basically, that's a person that is ready to do something, but they got too many, too many clothes on, right? And, and they're weighted down. He said, man, you, you need to be ready to, to get out there and really go after it. And then it goes on and says, so then brace up your minds, be steady in spirit, and fix your hope firmly in the grace that is coming to you. Another translation says, brace up your mind, then keep cool. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. You know, what does it mean to, to prepare your, your minds for action uh, and to be sober? Just keep cool, all right? Just, just, you know, don't let everything that's out there going on uh, distract you from how you ought to live. And put your hope for good and all in the grace that is coming to you. Therefore, concentrate your minds with a strictest self-control, and fix your hopes on the blessings that is coming for you. You ever, uh, if you've ever been involved in an athletic in, uh, uh, team or whatever it might be, and somehow you're not playing up to whatever they want you to do on, on the court or on the ice or whatever, uh, on, on the field, they'll say, get your head in the game. You, know, you need to concentrate. You need to focus because you're, you're messing up everybody. You're not playing your position. And so this is an exhortation for us to, to live out what God wants us to live. Therefore, concentrate your minds with the strictest self-control and fix your hope on the blessing that's coming to you. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and with perfect calmness, fix your hopes on the mercy that you are to experience. Interesting way to all, this, all these authors in terms of translating or paraphrasing this phrase of trying to say, hey, this is, this is really a lifestyle. The whole idea of, of going through life with a perfect calmness. Because when, you, when you're out of control, everything around you is not going to be in control, right? And so you, you need to approach life with that peace that God gives you. And then uh, just one more. Therefore, gird your minds for actions. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your whole completely on the grace to be brought to you. And that's, that's the New American Standard, which we're going to look at today. 
So what's the point this morning? We're going to look at one verse, and we're going to try to take the one verse and say, here, here is one way to, to begin the new year by saying, I, I want to live this. I, I want to live like this. I want to, I want to take what, what Peter, who experienced both the highs and lows of walking with Jesus, uh, he's known in some circles about being the one that was always named first among the 12 when Jesus called out the 12. Uh, and in the midst of all that was going on, and when, when we get the list of all of them, he, he's always first, which means he's probably fairly significant, right? When we think about the ones in which he particularly trained in a much more intense way, he picked out among the 12, three, and Peter was always the first of the three. And when we think about as the, as the church started, P- Peter was the spokesman as he announced to those who had crucified Jesus, you know what you've done? You've taken the, the one that was promised, the, the anointed one, the promised one, and you have crucified him. But you, you need to understand that that didn't happen by accident because this is always according to God's plan. And this is the one you need to decide, are you going to put your trust in him or are you going to keep trusting yourself? But Peter was the one who did that. When the, when the gospel was, was spread, not just among God's chosen people in the Old Testament, Israel, it was, it was, it was Peter who, who encountered in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, and, and that message was now going to spread to everyone. But we also know that Peter was also the one that not only did he have a lot of success, but he also had a lot of, he had a lot of failures, didn't he? And sometimes when we begin a new year, we can either be filled too much of ourselves or filled with pride, or on the other side, we're filled so much with defeat that we're saying, why even try? Because I never, I never accomplish what I'm trying to, to, to go after. And Peter's a great one to, to listen to because he had experienced both the highs and the lows of walking with Jesus. And he began to understand, look, it's all about therefore. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're going to try to dissect that a little bit so it, it, it makes sense of, well, what do you mean by that? How, how does that actually play out in a, in a person's life who says, you know, I, I want to live a life un, uh, unlike so many who decide to live lives either selfishly or aimlessly. I want to live a life on purpose. And if this is, if this is a game plan, well, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And that's what we want to see today. So let's just begin at the beginning. And so the first word in this particular verse is therefore. And we've said this before. Whenever you see in the Bible the word, or actually in any literature, the word therefore, you always ask yourself the question, what's the therefore? Therefore. What, what, what's the context of what you're saying here? And really, this is what it's all about. And in your outlines, I have kind of given some other things to kind of hang these words on. It, it, it simply means this. Remember how active God has been for you. So as we begin a year, and normally when we think about New Year's revolution, revolutions, New Year, we do want a revolution and a transformation. But as you think of New Year's resolutions, we're thinking about what is it I need to do? But we need to understand in the Christian life, that's not the first step. The first step is not trying to analyze what you need to do, but to remember what God is doing, has done, and will do. We always begin with with God. That's always the beginning of living a life in which we want to honor him and become a fully devoted follower of Christ and help others make that same step. 
It's, it's always the step of remembering, remembering God. What has he done and how actively has he been involved in this? And before verse 13, there's 12 other verses. I know in your outline, I just put 1 Peter 1, verses 10 through 12. But really, the therefore, what happened before, what came before, are the first 12 verses. And in that, Peter is saying, okay, let's begin with God. And remember how active he's been for you. And he's writing to people who, in many ways, are feeling like they're on the outside looking in as they think about the world. He said, you know, I know you're basically aliens. You're a stranger in this world. But I want you to understand that actually, even though that doesn't always seem encouraging, that actually is something you ought to hold on to because you need to understand that your citizenship is not here on earth. Your citizenship is in heaven. You have a much, you have a much greater address than wherever you're living right at this moment. And some of them had been, had been dispersed, not, not because they wanted to take off, but they had to, be, they had to take off because of, of the persecution or, or the challenges that were going on in their life. He said, look, you're feeling like that you don't fit. Well, in some ways, you understand you don't fit because you weren't made for this world. You are made for the world that, that, that God is going to make, remake here and for eternity. And so as we go through life and as we go through the challenges and we're feeling like somehow we're not fitting, we need to understand that our citizenship is in heaven. And then sometimes when we think that, uh, you know, how significant we are, Peter begins this whole letter to people that are are trying to live out uh, their faith. He says, okay, I want you to understand that not only is your citizenship is in heaven, but you have been chosen. God wanted you to be on his team. You aren't the one to be left out. You aren't the person that, how significant am I am? We were, I was kidding with um, Iris and Celesta, you know, as they were coming here, and they're still trying to think if Kendrick really uh, is worthy of their sister, you know, as far as the spouse. But, you know, as you think of Iris and Celesta, you know, we were talking about names. And, and the one thing about Michael Johnson is that that name is so common. Whenever you go in and they kind of go through the, the, the list of people that might have bought something at that particular place, they go, forget it. I'm not going to go through all this. What's your address? What's your, what's your birth date or whatever it might be? Because there's too many Michael Johnson. And you think, well, I'm just common. There's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing significant about me. You need to understand you are significant in God's eyes because God chose you before the foundations of the world. He wanted you to be part of his family. So you're chosen, you're a citizen of heaven. There's so many things to celebrate about God's goodness in you. And we began the service that way. And one of the passages in 1 Peter says this, I mean, in in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So as you think about living out this thing called a relationship with Jesus, you have been blessed. And always remember, there's a therefore before God ever wants you to do anything. And he goes on and that whole passage. There's so many things that I could re-preach that we looked at before. That, that God has born you again. He, you've got a new birth according to God's great mercy. You need to understand that, that God has blessed you so much that you have this rich inheritance that you cannot lose. That you are rich in God's eyes. You need to understand that, that, that God has given you something that everyone in this world pursues. And even in our own constitution, you know, that we believe everyone has the right to the pursuit of happiness. 
And God says, look, it's not just happiness that I, I want you to experience, but I want you to experience joy. And this joy is so awesome that you can't put it into words. It's an inexpressible joy. And it's an inexpressible joy because, because I love you. And I want what's best for you. And I have a plan for your life. And so he just lists one after another the goodness of God for you. And this wasn't just something that Peter was making up to somehow you know, persuade people who didn't want to be persuaded in whatever he had to say. He said, look, this has been written about in the past by all the Old Testament prophets. They prophesied to this. I want you to understand the Holy Spirit predicted this, Jesus arriving on the scene. I, I want you to understand that the apostles, since this happened and they experienced, well, they've been preaching this. And even angels, they ponder this. Because God's grace is beyond their imagination because they, they hadn't experienced it to the depth that we have because, because we were undeserving of it and yet God brought us back. So as you begin about this new year, as we begin this new year, we need to always remember there's always a therefore. And the therefore is God has been active in doing so much for you, for those who have become part of his eternal family. But after we examine what God has done for us, we need to understand that, and that God says, I want, you be, I want you to be part of it. I want, I want you to be fully engaged in it. And, and so then you have that phrase, prepare your minds for action. And, and in some ways, uh, we, we could just stop with two points and not go on to all four, but this is something we need to, to just meditate on and reflect. Be, because so often... In our lives, we can sometimes look at the Christian life as being a spectator sport and not a participant sport. You know, we're on the, we're on the sidelines watching other people being involved, and we're not fully involved. We're not doing what God wants us to do. And so we need to understand, as Peter announced what God had done for them, I want you to know that God has something for you to do. He wants you to be active, active in what he wants you to be involved in for his sake and for his glory. I was playing around in those translations that I read to you is that the old um, language of this text is gird up your loins for action. And it's, it is mirrored in so many different ways in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament for that matter is that when, when someone needed to get ready to do something, they, they looked at their life and said, well, what, what is it in my life that I need to get rid of so I can do what needs to be done that's new? And, and particularly, it was a physical thing. In Exodus chapter 12, as, as they were leaving Egypt, and they were going to leave Egypt uh, in, in a rush. In fact, they were even given a particular diet in which it was going to be easy to take with them. It was, uh, was going to be unleavened bread. Just Man, we're just taking off. And it uses this language, gird up your loins because you gotta be, you got to be ready to leave Egypt because I'm setting you free. And as we think about whatever God wants us to do, we need to recognize that it all begins with being prepared to do that. It is, it is an interesting thing in so many different ways as we think about what that is. It's literally what it was is, is bind up any loose clothing so you don't trip over yourself. And that's what he's saying here. One of the translators saying, you know, if you're going to work, you have to roll up your sleeves. And sometimes God's people, we're not rolling up our sleeves. We're just looking at other people rolling up their sleeves. It is true in just about every dimension that in any group of people, 
that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And God says, look, every, every individual has a part that God wants to play for, for God's team. And, and we need to prepare to do it. And there's always a greater joy in serving and finding that place that, that God wants us to be involved in and impacting lives for him, for people who already know him, which is encouraging those who are already believers, but then reaching out to those who aren't and saying, how, how can I be an instrument in God's hand to touch people's lives? And I have in your, in your outlines this morning, John chapter 13, verses three through five, and it's interesting. In fact, I'll just turn to it. John 13, if you have your Bibles, turn to that real quickly. You know, I really only have one verse, so you don't have to look up a whole lot. But John chapter 13, we have that familiar story, and it, it really is a good lead into what we're going to be doing later on, which is taking communion, because this is, this is the preparation for Jesus announcing to him in, in object form, symbol form, what he's about to do. As his body was going to be hung on a cross and his blood was going to be poured out for their sake. But in John 13, they go up to an upper room. They've been out in the dirty uh, paths of Palestine. I mean, they, and, and when you walk basically barefoot or with sandals on, they get pretty dirty. And then you, you come in for a great meal, a Passover meal. And then the way they ate their meal is that you, you kind of laid out in a prone position. And, and where your feet were is next to someone else's what? their face. And so you don't want someone's dirty feet in your, in your face. And so one of the beginning steps of that is not, has everyone washed their hands, but has everyone washed their feet, right? And so as they get up to that, that that's not a particular job you like. And normally it's someone else doing that job. So they go up to this upper room and they're looking for a servant who's going to do that. And there was no servant in this room. So if there's no servant in the room, there's 12 people in the room, 13 people counting Jesus. The person who does it is the one who is on the highest part of the totem pole or the what? The lowest. And so they're looking around and say, well, I might not be Peter. I might not be James. I might be John. I know I'm not Jesus, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not at the bottom, right? And so they're waiting for someone to do something. Uh, John ch- chapter 13, verses 3 through 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, which is simply saying, I'm, I'm identifying what the next two verses are speaking to about, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. So in other words, he took off the, cl- the clothes he didn't have to have on and he girded himself. He made himself ready for action. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So when we prepare our minds for action, we gird up the loins of our life. We're saying, I'm getting prepared, ready to do what needs to be done. Even if it's not necessarily in our written job description or our portfolio, but but we see a need and say, well, if I I can meet that need, let, let let me be about meeting that need. I don't have it in your outline, but in John 13, verse 17, he says, he says I want you to know that um, if, you, if you know these things, which is what I just did, and I did it for you for an example, you are blessed or joyful if you do them. And, and so as, as we think about this new year, as we think about putting this verse into practice, as we think about memorizing, therefore, prepare your minds for action which is simply to say that the first thing you got to do before you do something is decide you're going to do it, right? And then as you decide to do it, then actually take steps to actually do it. 
And, and when we think about that, as we think about following Jesus, this is exactly what Jesus did. He said, just follow this example. And you know, you know, you know what the, the benefits for this, the benefits from that is you're going to get greater joy. You are blessed when you serve others. You know, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And when we serve, then, then we are experiencing walking with Jesus and we'll experience the joyful life that only he can give us. That makes sense? You know, there's, a, there's so many little things in here. The, the word, you know, prepare your minds for action. The, the word for mind in this particular text really speaks about, it, it's a compound Greek word, see and mind, or mind and through. And so it really has the idea of thinking something through. It, it, it's really thinking fully through what you are about to do or not to do. And is this really the wisest thing to do? And that's what he's saying here. As we, as we live it, it begins with understanding what God has done for us, and then second, remembering what God wants us now to do for him. And when we do that, we think things through clearly. Then we really understand. All right, thirdly, uh, keep sober in spirit. And this really has the idea of remembering how active God wants you to be under his control. So it really doesn't mean, okay, I'm just going to be run around like crazy. I'm going to be busier than I've ever been. You know, in 2020, I'm just going to be busier in 2021. He's not just talking about being busy. He's talking about being under control and the idea of sober and the really the original, the word sober means what we normally think about. A person uh, who is living his life, is he, is he out of control or is he in control? And particularly when you have an outside substance like alcohol controlling you, are you in control or out of control? You're out of control. He says, I, I want you to be temperate. I want you to be wise. I, I, I don't want anything outside controlling what's on the inside. Keep sober in spirit. And, and we think about how you do that. You, you do that by the power of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, it says this. Look, look, therefore, uh, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Know what the will of God is. Don't, don't get... Don't get wasted. Don't get drunk with, with wine to the point you're out of control. But be filled under the control of the Spirit. So as we think about living out this new life, one of the things we want to just be focused on is that we want to, we want to be people that are saying, I, I, I want I to I be, be under control. I, I want to be purposeful. I want to be directed in a way that I, I know where I'm going and where I'm not going. I, I want to get up the day and say, okay, wh- wh- what, is it, what is it God wants me to do uh, through his spirit in an ongoing life habit? And it's, it's an active decision to do that. It, it, it's one of saying, I, I want this to be my lifestyle. There are different tenses of verbs in the, in the original language. This is, this is a pr- present active participle. It's saying, look at, it's not saying, well, you know, I, I do pretty good for five days and I get wasted on the weekends. And I know that's not what we're trying to say here. But it's saying sometimes we're, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty well these days and then I, then I take a vacation from walking with God. No, we, we're always on with God. And again, we're not talking about just being busy for business, busy sake. But it's saying, I want to be under control and being and doing what God wants me to do. Keep, keep on being 
sober in spirit. As the Spirit of God controls you, that, that you, uh, you know where you're headed and why, why you're going in that direction. And, and it's not outside circumstances that are dictating what you do or why you do it. It's, it's what and who lives within you that guides how you live. So what's the point? This verse is all about therefore. Prepare your minds for action, which is, first of all, know what God has done for you. Secondly, know what God wants you to do for him. And then thirdly, understand that he, that he wants you to actively know that he wants you to be under the control of his spirit. And then the longer phrase here, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, if anything sounds religious, that particular part of that verse does. But th- there are really some focused things that, that God wants us to, to remember about how this thing works. R- remember, again, that this is not a self-help program as we think about God's Word and, and this thing of walking with Jesus. It, it's fixing your hope, which is the idea of expecting no matter what's happening now in the present, that I can look forward to a much better future. It's being content and confident that that God has given you something to celebrate because your future is settled in Jesus. It's really believing that, that things are going to get better and we have no idea what's going to happen in 2021. But we know that our future is settled and it's not only going to be good in the future, it's going to be better than anything we have right now. And that ought to be motivating for us. Fix your hope completely on the grace. And then he says the grace. You know, what is the grace? And if you get any of our email blasts, and I don't think I brought it up here, but, but as you think about God saying this, is that John Piper puts it this way. There's a, there's a descending uh, overflow of God's goodness and power and strength for those who, who live under the cascading power of his presence in their life. That's, that's God's grace. God's grace is known as the undeserved favor, and we don't deserve anything good that God does for us, but, but God lavishes that upon his people. And, and we need to recognize as we look back at our life, and it could be yesterday or a month ago or a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, sometimes what, what, what just debilitates us or restricts us from living out how God wants us to live now is, is the things that have happened in the past. And we're still defeated by our past. And we didn't understand when we fix our hopes completely, and the word completely there is an interesting word in the Greek as well. It's the word telos, which has the idea of finality, the end, the, the, com- the completed goal, is that fix your hope fully, unreservedly, ultimately in God's grace. And God's grace applies to you in every time frame you can think about. God's grace in the past when you put your life in his hands, changes everything. You, you, you are not tied to your past. Your pa- what's happened to your past is your experience, but you are not restricted by what God um, has allowed to happen in your life. And now God is saying, look it, now live it out because my grace covers what has happened in your life. His forgiveness is overwhelming. He, he, puts, he, puts, he puts all that we have done wrong and he, he, he forgives it to the point where the Bible says he remembers it no more. 
that he throws it as far as the east is from the west. He buries it in the deepest sea. That God's, God's grace is sufficient for everything that we've done that is wrong in the past. Doesn't mean there still aren't some consequences. There's some things we have to wrestle with in terms of relationships with people and dealing with things that have happened. But in God's eyes, it's a, it's a forgiven matter. But God's grace is not only that his past grace, but his present grace. You know, the past grace is summarized when we come to faith in him. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not a result of works that, that no one should boast. For you're God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works. And so that all starts because of God's grace in the past when he died on the cross for us and we get to know him. And, and it's like that. You know, there's a couple utensils you can use when you write, want to write something down. You can use a pen, and then remember, the, remember things like pencils. You know, there's a pencil part of it. The graphite is the part you write with, and at the end of most pencils, there's a big what? The eraser. That's what God's past grace does for you and for me. But, but there's a present grace. The present grace really speaks of what God is doing now. And the Apostle Paul talks about that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where he says, you know, God's grace is sufficient for me. And, and it really has the idea is, is, is that as he was struggling with living out his faith, he realized that often he was filled with pride and, and God's grace would touch down in his life and deal with what he was going through right then. Even, even certain prayers that he want, wanted answered, and, and they weren't answered in the way he wanted them to be answered. But God's grace was sufficient for him to live out a life that honored God. That was God's not only past grace, but his present grace. And then we need to understand that God has a future grace. In James chapter 4, verse 6, a really interesting passage there where, where he said, God gives a greater grace. And this greater grace is, is that, that which God says, uh, he, he will give to God's people in such a way that they'll experience whatever God has for them in the future. So we fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ, which really has the idea, when is it going to be better than everything we can imagine right now? When Jesus shows up, right? The revelation is the uncovering of Jesus, the revealing of Jesus fully and completely. It's the word apocalypse, apocalypse. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll see dystopia movies about the apocalypse. Is that when Jesus comes, everything that, that we could imagine about God's goodness will be displayed upon God's people. And, and as we think about God's future grace, it really is saying what, whatever we might encounter in the days ahead that we're fully un, unaware of, that, that God will show up with whatever we need. And, and sometimes not only do our past bring us down, and the things we're struggling with are present, but even our fear of the future. You ever, have you ever spent time fearing the future? And as we think about that, we need to understand that whatever comes in the future, God's grace will be sufficient for whatever we encounter. So what's the point this morning? The point is, are, are we going to live it out? Are we going to understand that, that there's a therefore that God has been so active in providing for God's people. Do we understand that there's a, there's a point where we need to understand how active we are to be? We need to prepare our minds, not just to think, just think about something, but for action. Do we understand that, that God wants us to, to deal with some things that need to be taken out of our life, keep, 
keep sober in spirit. There's some things he wants us to be under control, under his control. And, and he wants us to understand that this is a grace-filled life. It's, it's, only, it's only lived out by God empowering us from within. By his power, by his strength. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you. And not only in the past, not only now, but in the future. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. The uncovering of who he is. So, so as we begin this year, let, let's live it. Let's live it out. Let's, let's put things in our heart and our mind as we memorize God's truths. Let's meditate on what God has done and is doing and will do. And let's make it a lifestyle to be what God wants us to be for his sake, for his glory, for people to respond to God's goodness offered to them. Let's pray together. Father, we do... Uh, we do begin a new year just realizing there is, there's so much you want your people to be all about. And in and of ourselves, we are, totally, we are totally unable to do and to be what you want us to be. But by your grace, the fullness of your grace, we can be and experience that which you want us to be and experience this new year. Help us to be full of joy. Help us to be full of purpose. Help us to be full of, of just an understanding of your plan for our lives. Help us not only recognize that we are to be blessed, but be a blessing to others. And it all begins with surrendering our lives to Jesus. Help us to be the people of God. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.